Hello, it's Fergus. Welcome to another episode of Guns and Yellow Ribbons. This one we have called Isolation Time. Because uh, the UK, and probably most of Europe, is all in lockdown because of COVID-19 virus. Um, so, you know, we're trying to keep you entertained, trying to keep you busy. But also, this episode is a very special episode for me personally, that I happen to be able to talk to an Arsenal, Everton, uh, Leicester, Forest, West Brom, Cardiff, and Leighton Orient uh, legend in super super kevin campbell he talks to us about arsenal and he talks to us about uh just general football and he's just a normal gooner enjoy the show people thank you keep safe stay home save lives welcome to another podcast by guns and yellow ribbons follow us on facebook at guns and yellow ribbons and twitter at guns and ribbons and remember to rate and review us too enjoy the show Hello, welcome to Guns and Yellow Ribbons. It's only me. That's it. We're in isolation. We're in lockdown. There's nobody to talk to. There's nothing to talk about. Um, this is into my third week of this stuff. Because uh, I had a week off last week with Builders. I was ill the week before. So I'm, I'm going stir crazy. I need some friends to talk to. Who can I talk to? Corey, my man. How are you? Fergus, how are you? Good, mate. Good. You like I this ha- stuff, don't you? you? You were saying beforehand, you're all right with this. Yeah, you know, I'm a bit of a homebody, so I like being at home. I like um, being indoors. So at the moment, it's not too bad. I mean, give me another week and, it, you know, I might be climbing the walls. But at the moment, it's um, I'm coping all right. You know, I've got, I've got, I've got, I've subscribed to every... Um, streaming porn channel you can think of <laughs> that too by the way porn <laughs> hub are doing a, a week free um for everyone out there who um a bit lonely but <laughs> i'm glad someone just, that. just to let you know that um we're not sponsored by them <laughs> <laughs> not yet. We, should, we should be but um but yeah i'm not too bad so i mean it's just the football and stuff that's the real you know thing that we're that we're, we're all missing i'm sure yeah no football no pub you heard him in the background scunny is here here too he's keeping me company in his brand new studio uh you're you're being you're being a school teacher at the minute as well aren't you hello you're on mute let me go to trevor that'd help wouldn't it (laughs) that would help (laughs) no no not a school teacher mate i'm uh i'm in i'm watching Uh, i'm learning myself (laughs) okay trev we got you you're back in lincolnshire I am, mate, yeah. Hey, we back got the for, yellow belly. Back for the foreseeable future. If I'd have just done what Mike had done and left my microphone on mute, you wouldn't have let me forget about it, would you? You'd have been calling me no, all the old buggers no. under the sun. Anyway, yeah, it's good to be back. I'm not missing, a, I'm not worried about being locked down. I cut the grass yesterday and then I cut it shorter today and I'm going to cut it even shorter tomorrow. So, yeah, <laughs> got plenty to do. You're still on your face, Trev. <laughs> Potsy. Uh, we've got you, and we've got a very good friend of yours as well coming on as well, haven't we? 
Yeah, I hope so. I really hope so. I have messaged him, so I'm just we're just waiting for a reply. So, um, but I'm good, man. It's just this has been like you, Fergus. I've been working from home for a couple of weeks now, and I live alone, so it's very lonely. So I've been trying to get on podcasts, trying to ring up people, voice note people. Uh, I'm a people person, so uh, I don't like being on my own. So, um, yeah, man. Let's hope that this gets uh, back to normal asap. Okay. And uh, without no further ado, um, we have um, Kevin, Kevin Campbell, the legend that is Super Kevin Campbell. How are you, Kevin? I'm good, thank you. How are you? How are you all? Good, mate. Good. Yeah. <laughs> are you driving up the walls as well, yeah? Sorry? Are you being driven up the walls with this isolation as well? Oh, no, it's a retreat for me. I see it as a positive. I've got to be positive about it. It's a retreat for me. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, I, I thank you for coming on uh, Guns and Yellow Ribbons. We haven't had you on before. I've been on uh, Same Old Arsenal with you and a couple of other ones. So we have we have an uh, hybrid hybrid squad. So uh, we have spoken briefly before. We also share a very special day. Um, you're you are a year older, but Jesus Christ, I've weathered a lot, an awful lot worse than you, haven't I? <laughs> Well, I won't quite say that. We all, we all, we all age at different times, don't we? So don't worry about yes. it. <laughs> all right then. Listen, we've got um, we've got some questions that our uh, listeners uh, put to us, and they've basically designed the the, the agenda today. So, um, so, we've got about six or seven questions, and we've got a couple of things that we would like to talk to you about, Kev, as well. If you're if you if you've got the time, um, and uh, that's it. So we'll, it'll be about an hour. Uh, people join in in the comment section. Um, and ask your questions as we go along. So realistically, um, can you see this season finishing with a satisfying end? Trev, you go first. Oh, to be honest with you, Fergus, I can't see next season starting at this rate, mate. You know, um, this is serious stuff. And uh, we I think that uh, football's gone out of my head a bit. I mean, I miss it. I miss it greatly. I miss it greatly. But there's more important things than football at the moment. And I can't see this season ending or next season starting, to be honest. It's, I hope I'm wrong. Really hope I'm wrong. Um, but, yeah, it's not looking good, is it, pal? No, not really. Potsy, I know you, you, you've got a, a view on this because um, we've spoken earlier today. What, what, what do you make of it then? Man, I really don't see this season starting up again, boys. I really don't. I think that it could it could be void, could be cancelled, which is going to be a massive shame for Liverpool fans. <laughs> but in my opinion, <laughs> I think it will be going into a new season now. I actually don't know. Think that we're going to have see a, a ball kicked until September, October. That's my that's my honest, realistic opinion. I think this is a lot. This is just a start in my opinion. And I look at it now and I think, yeah, I'm, I'm sticking with it. I think the season is done and I think we need to actually accept that that is done. Obviously, Andy Fink's come up with a good question there about the non-league being has been void because I know that because one of my mates has been playing at some uh, a high standard and uh, their league has been void and cancelled. So I think it's just a start and we will see the other leagues follow suit. Kevin, um, You've been obviously a super Arsenal legend playing with Ian Wright and everything else. You also played for Everton uh, Football Club for a period and some other clubs. Um, how do you think the season would end? And if it was voided, would all your toffee fans be very, very happy? <laughs> well, you got, I, I wear two, two, two or three hats, don't I, in the Premier League? Um, 
obviously if Liverpool Liverpool have been the best team by far this season. But if it if it if the coronavirus knocks them out and voids the season, they can't win it. You know, it's 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 just the way it is. It could have been anybody at the top, um, to be honest. But you know, if they'd have won it, then they, they win it. They they thoroughly deserve it. But they haven't mathematically won it yet, so they can't just give it to them. So that that's one part. Obviously, there's going to be a, a few gutted Reds. I've got a good pal, Red Nose John, who is Liverpool daft. Who <laughs> he wants he wants to win it outright. He doesn't want it to go by no simulation or anything like that. He wants to he wants to win it outright. Uh, I don't think it's gonna gonna happen this season. Uh, I'll be quite honest with you, because you know we're by the way we're preparing. It's this lockdown ain't going to be uh, finished anytime soon. It's actually going to get a lot more more serious if we're because we're we're quite have, have a few weeks behind Italy or whatever. So and Spain and the way it's going over there, you know, we're 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 nowhere close to that quite yet. We're, a lot of people ain't even taking it really serious over here. Yeah, we talked about that before we came on air uh, about some of that. Um, how big would the party in Goodison Park be? Um, I, I think a lot of people will be just really be thinking about health and family, to be honest, with a little glint in their eye, obviously, if Liverpool missed out, um, just for a little bit of bragging rights. But I, I think the, the health and safety of people are going to be paramount to start with. Yeah, very good point. Very, very good point. Um, Corey, can you see anything happening with the season? And, and if... If they say voided it, what do we do? Do we go back to last year's standings, which puts us on fifth? Um, does that mean that we get Champions League because of City's current ban? Uh, you know, <clears throat> um, I think one solution is, and there's no way we're going to get 50,000, 60,000 people back together in a stadium anytime soon. Um, the one thing I think they can do is just play it out, but just behind closed doors, no fans. Um, obviously, test it with the players and staff and whatnot. They're good. They can go in the stadium. They can they can have have the matches play out. We can watch it on TV, but no fans in the stadium for for the rest of the season. That's the only way I see this being played out to satisfaction. Like which what your original question was. Um, if they did void it, um, I I think you just got to just however the season is at the moment. You just you know do it like that. So Liverpool win it, whoever's in the Champions League places, they 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 get it and and you just move on. Trev, um the transfer window normally opens up at the uh is it as soon as the the last ball is kicked of the season and closes when the first ball is kicked at the start of the new season. Will the transfer window change? Will, will there be one? What's your thoughts? Well, it... Fergus, they, oh, 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 there's people here that know more about this than me, but I would assume that although we have transfer windows, the work's done on the train. There's work being done on transfers now. There's a lot of idea on who's going to move where in the next transfer window at this very moment. There's people working behind the scenes. So whenever the window is, I don't think it will make a lot of difference, to be honest. Um, people will still move and, and and they'll probably got a rough idea of where they're going now, to be honest. So, um, you, you know... Pete, that that's what they do with the window opens. The only thing that we've done differently it would appear over the years is that we've 
we, we appeared to be a last-minute wonders at Arsenal up until the last three or four seasons, didn't we? We panicked by in the last five minutes of the window. But, yeah, they know where people are going, surely, don't they? I mean, my man, Kev. Hello, Kev, by the way. Never spoke to you before, top man. You'll know all about transfer windows, wouldn't you, Kev? I know about transfer windows, but Arsenal haven't been the best in transfer windows, have they? But although <laughs> no, they've not no, been the no. best, but I'll tell you one thing they did do last summer, and we argued about it, um, William Saliba. We talked about Saliba. Why are we spending that money and he can't come to the club? We've already done a bit of business for next for this summer. So we know mm. we're getting, a, we're getting a, a big, strong, quick centre-half coming in, which is what we've been lacking. Someone who you could really put in there and say, right, he could be a mainstay for years. But clubs t want to do business very quickly. It's just, unfortunately, now clubs can hold out for a lot more money because everyone's got money now. Yeah, except for Arsenal, apparently. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're, we're, listen, we're struggling. We've done, we've done business in the past already. So, you know, we, we've got to cut our cloth accordingly. There's no more... You know, we're not the rich boy on the block or anything like that anymore. We're going to have to cut our cloth no. accordingly. We haven't been good enough over the last few years. No. Mike, what's your thoughts on the transfer window? Do you think you, you think there will be much of a one this year? Do you think much players will move? Um, obviously, we've got, uh, we've got Saliba, as Kevin uh, said, coming in. Um, what do you think will happen maybe with Aubameyang and Lacazette? It depends if we can get out of the country or not, isn't it? They're going to be stuck here by the looks of things. <laughs> no, travel. no travel. No <laughs> travel. Borders are closed. I'm sorry. You're staying where you are. Tough shit. Sorry. Uh, no, uh, transfer windows, uh, I don't know. It, it, I think it all depends on whether or not they void the season or not. I think if uh, it'll all come down to that. If they do end up voiding the season, I, I can see transfers being done. And like Trevor was saying earlier, chances are a lot of them are already done. And we already know about Saliba. Uh, <clears throat> other than that, I just I can't see too much going into it. I, I can't. I just don't know. I, I, I wouldn't even like to have have a guess at it because it it could be anything. It, you might have to wait until next year to get your transfers done, or at least January next uh, next year. What the about what about looking. teams like Leeds? What about teams like Leeds and West Brom who've done really well? Leeds have been trying to get into the Premier League for what, See, this like is 14 years, 15 years. This is why I slightly disagree with what Corey said in terms of if we just stop it now and then just award people the places, that's wrong. Because for me, Aston Villa, I've got a game in hand to try and keep them up. And Sheffield United win their game in hand, they go into the European spaces. And if it does mm. get to the stage where Sheffield United come fifth, then Man City get dumped out of Europe. Sheffield United can then get into the stage. So for me... That's wrong. I think if you cancel the season, it's voided, you move on to the next season. And, you know, if you start to try and drag this season out to say, I don't know, uh, let's say August, September time, then we start again and we're always planning to play catch up every single year. Well, so, Dan, I, I talked about the difference. Dan, Dan, can I just interject on that? Go on, Kev. The moment you go past June the 30th, you're in dangerous territory because that's when contracts finish. There's exactly players out of contracts on June 30th. They're probably sorting themselves out for next season from July 1st. How are you going to get I, them would, to play I, on on small, I was going term, to say, small term contracts? As a player, exactly. if you're saying, if you would say the likes of Saka or, or Martinelli, um, who 
Okay, we just use for example, they could be out of contract. On uh, well, Saka comes out of no, his academy contract. One. Saka's not a good one because he's young. So he, okay, he, he comes in too young. If you're over twenty three, then you can go on a free. So, yeah, there's bossman rule installing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah well, that that free transfer. But mm. if you if you're under that age, you you come in. You need there's development money involved. Okay, so there well, still has what, to be a fee. What I was trying to get at is, as a as as a player yourself, would you be as if you were in this scenario? And it's probably difficult to even imagine. But if you were in this scenario, playing for one of the clubs that you played for, and it comes to the thirtieth of June, and uh, you're out of contract, but there's five games left in the season. You've done some sort of deal behind the scenes, but all the players will have done some sort of deal behind the scenes. Um, would you still be as committed? to it, even though you've got a big move on to, say, Man United or Real Madrid coming up? Well, I wouldn't take that risk, would I? Well, you think about it. If I've done, a, if I've organised a deal with one of those other clubs, why would I take a deal for five games? I can move from July 1st and maybe it's a three or four year contract. Why would I sign a three month contract or a two month contract? It makes no sense. Well, no, you've also got the risks involved in that as well, haven't you? Well, if you, you get, get you injured. get injured, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so you get you injured, they can the null that contract. Yeah, you wouldn't take the risk. You would not take the risk. No, no, I agree with so that. What take, so, listening to all that, then, listening to all that, then, you, I agree, you wouldn't take the risk. So, if it's not done by thirtieth of June, it's done completely. The season. Players won't play. And to be honest, right, I'm not going to linger on the current situation, but obviously it's extremely important. If I was a player, any person, if I'm me or whoever, I, I think that playing football or doing your job is probably a bit down a pecking order at the moment to keeping your family safe, isn't it? So I don't know if I'd want to be running around on a football field or doing anything where I might get too near people when I might be putting my family at risk. So there's so much to think about, boys. I can't see it ending. I think it's done, finished. Mm. It, listen, listen. The, the caveat goes without saying that you know we'd always put people's health and safety first and foremost. Uh, if when you go into a stadium, you get frisked uh, because we had the terror threat for years. Uh, so we always are looking out for individuals and doing what's best for people first. But we're just assuming that we're trying to resume and get back to some sort of normality. But in the winter of '63, and you won't remember this, Trev. Honest. <laughs> Jesus Christ, is it Christmas already? <laughs> in, the, in the winter of 63, there was a big freeze. The Thames even froze over and everything else. And that no games were played for two months. You know, they got on with it, you know. And I, 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 I don't recall how that league finished out. But, you know, it's probably a smaller league. It's different, different money involved. I, I do. You know, won the league that year, didn't you? Them toffees, then blue noses. Them toffees. And it's lucky they did, because, you know, finished second, didn't you? That mob up the road. So quite happy that Everton won it. Okay, well, I'm glad you remember, Trev. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Kev, can I ask? Fergus, Fergus, just quickly, can you just press the button next to the one you're on now for the screen so we all blow up a bit closer? There we go. That's better. I can see Corey's pretty face now. (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) <laughs> ah, okay. Hey, my beard needs to trim, boys. <laughs> we told you that weeks ago. <laughs> um, Kev, asking you a couple of questions. Uh, the season of 1991, 
the, the season we almost went unbeaten. You played for Arsenal then. What did that feel like when Chelsea beat uh, beat us? And were you concentrating on trying to go the whole season unbeaten? No, not at all. We were depleted in in bodies. Uh, I think in that game, David Ilya played centre back because uh, I think Boldy went off, and um, you know we had a makeshift defence and everything like that, and went a goal down and got back into the game and just got picked, just got pipped. At the end of it, um, you know, Chelsea was a was always a difficult place to go, Stamford Bridge, and uh, we just we just couldn't we just couldn't keep them out um, to get that draw. But it was still a magnificent feat. Conceded, I think it was eighteen goals all season, mm. and uh, won the league at a canter, and uh, that was with uh, points deducted as well. So that was that, the fight, wasn't it? The fight. Yeah, the the battle of uh, Old Trafford. So. You know, that was, um, so to have points deducted and still win it, clear, was, uh, uh, showed you how special that squad was. And And Trev, you would have been out a lot of those. Sorry, Mike. Uh, Trev, you would have been out a lot lot of those games. I was just about to say, sorry, when you said the battle for Old Trafford there, I was like, is there any pizza throwing? No, no pizzas (laughs) around then. (laughs) There's only fists. (laughs) Old old school, old school. Old school, yeah. (laughs) Love. <laughs> Do you recall that season? How you would have been in the North Bank back then? Yeah, I was. Well, I, I, I used to move around wherever I, the mood took me. Fergus North Bank one week, clock end another. If it weren't raining, I'd go down the clock end. I liked the clock end. If it was raining a bit, I'd get tucked up under the North Bank out of the way. Um, yeah. Do you know I've been I've been I've been when I knew we were talking about this tonight I I I thought God my memory's going a bit so I've been on YouTube right and I've had the most fantastic afternoon looking at the seasons from the eighties and the late seventies eighties and nineties right and I've I've been smiling all day my face is aching my missus has got the raging up YouTube on the telly all day but you know I don't care yeah they were wonderful times. Kevin Campbell was a was a was a was a he used to intimidate me and I was on the terraces because he was a big old boy, you know, and uh <laughs> I loved watching the Arsenal team in them days. It was the end of proper football when you could still have a crunch, you know. Yeah. Um as we got into the to the to the mid-90s and the late nineties, it all changed and now they, they fall over easy. Kev, I'm sorry, Fergus, I've got to ask the man a question I'm excited about talking to Kevin. Um, uh, <laughs> Kev Go on, Trev. Uh, could could you have played now, Kev, or would you have been sent off every other game? Because because it was a bit tougher then, wasn't it, mate? Uh, no, what you do is you learn you learn to adapt, Trev. You've got to adapt with how it was. Remember back then, you used to get a tackle from behind for free, didn't you? You'd always the centre halves always yeah, got did. away with one first. So what you tried to do, you tried to get the defender first before he got you. <laughs> so that was just an unwritten rule. But nowadays, you know, you go into you go into a challenge, an aerial challenge, you know, with your arms up. Sometimes, you know, you're getting booked. So, you just got to go with the times. It's 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 a lot different now. It's a lot more lenient now, um, on 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 getting bookings and stuff as opposed to red cards back in the day. But you know, it's uh, it's a bit softer now. It's a lot softer now. That's for sure. Is football better now? People say the the skills and the athletics of it. No, are I don't think it is. I don't think it is. I don't think it's better now. I think there was a lot of 
top players, top defenders. I don't think there's many good defenders about nowadays. I think there was a lot of teams with good defenders back in the day who could defend, were tough, and you had loads of battles. That was the thing. When you, when you stood on the terraces or you watched the games, you were involved in a battle. Now it's everybody playing the ball out from the back and seeing if they could pass the ball and all this nonsense. It's not, it's not real football if, as far as I'm concerned, but hey, it is what it is. Football's evolved, so they say. But Trevor was talking about moving around around Highbury and moving from the clock end to the, the, the North Bank. And, and You guys as players, how much interaction I, I always un, uh, try and understand this from i stand on the north bank and i sing my lungs out for most of 90 minutes of most games how much influence do we have on, on how you guys play football more than you could ever imagine fergus i, I swear to you once once the crowd are involved it, it puts a dampener on the opposition and it gives the the team an extra spark of life and you got to trust me on that one because, you know, we've been, we've been through some tough years, etc. back in the 80s. And as soon mm. as George Graham started to get, get hold of the squad and started to turn it round, the, the crowd started coming back and you could see the impetus in the team. And the impetus in the team started building and building and building. And then you start getting to a, a, get the uh, League Cup final against Liverpool. You win that. Mm. And then the, it, it all starts to... But without the crowd, you can't do it. You know, without and do you that think, crowd, that 12th man, you cannot do it. So it was... Do you, do you, was, do you think on. the last few years of, of, of the Wenger era... Like I, I, me, personally, Wenger was a hero for me. I, I, I think he was a, a genius in football, a genius man, and he changed British football and world football forever. Um, I'm glad he's still involved in football. But do you think the toxic, toxicity that we all experience, all, all six of us here have experienced at the Emirates in the last three or four years before he left. Do you think that had a huge influence on the, on the team or was the team just not good enough? No, I think um, it had a huge influence on the team, but the team was never good enough anyway because we're talking about Arsenal here and what don't matter what happens in the crowd, the team have to perform on the pitch. That, that's what Arsenal are, are, are usually about. And that's what some of Arsene Wenger's best teams, they weren't always great, if we're honest. They weren't always great, but they always seem to get across the line. Now, if a team cannot get across the line, then you're not good enough, as, as has been proven over the years. You know, Arsenal just haven't had the right personnel. There's certain things that have happened, which I think Arsene Wenger took quite a bit of stick for, not replacing that holding midfield player, not replacing the centre-back, and it's been years and years and years hasn't been addressed until possibly now. So, you know, it's look, there's a lot of things that went Arsene Wenger's way, but at the right at the back end of it, there's a lot of things that didn't go his way. And he didn't address it, to be honest with him. So he is a legend and, you know, he's loved by the club, but there's certain things that he should have done that he didn't do. Mm. Right, trying to get back to this season a little bit as well, because I'm conscious that we're we're drilling you for loads of questions, Kev. But you know, <laughs> <laughs> um, think think back on the on this season, guys, and and Corey, I'll come to you, and then Mike. Um, can you think of the the, the best game that you've uh, seen this season? What's the one that you've enjoyed the most, uh, Corey? If you do a home game, and Mike, because you've been to a few away games, uh, maybe you do an away one. 
<laughs> Look at his face. If, if you, yeah, 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 you know, yeah. I'll take the away Scunny's got the easy one, man. Scunny's got the best game that he went the whole season, in my opinion. Yeah, there's Scunny. Yeah, that's, 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 that's what I wanted. Really. Yeah, yeah one, that was the one, one no, I would have gone. Yeah. Um, well, that game aside, um, I guess, you know what? Um, the 4 0 at Newcastle, because. I was watching a match. It was the first time in ages that we scored that many goals. Um, the goal scorers, I was like, oh, I really hope that, you know, um, Lacazette gets a goal because that would be really good. And, and he did. And everything that sort of wanted to happen in that, in that match happened in that match. The, few, the football wasn't brilliant, but it, I, I, I'm struggling to think of a game when the football has been brilliant this season. But in terms of just a satisfying scoreline and the goal scorers and 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 everything else i'm gonna pick that game trev's miles uh, away look trev's miles no, away trev, i'm waiting for him to look <laughs> yeah the nick turner said give him a wave trev give him a wave oh no Sorry, what's he doing watching <laughs> <laughs> um, mike you can't get away the question is what was your favorite uh, favorite uh, goal game that you've experienced are not even on TV are are, are in in person yeah. uh, so far the season the, away from home. The best one for me was Chelsea. Chelsea away. That was amazing. Just for the atmosphere. I know we only drew that game, but the atmosphere there was unreal. I've never experienced anything like it. Not even at a home game. Not a mobile phone in sight. Uh, there was a few, but not many. But there was a mosh pit, which is always good <laughs> to have. Everyone jumping on each other on the lower tier, and then even on the top tier, everyone's jumping around. Um, the singing was pretty much from start to end. It, it was probably the best, best all round ever away game I've been to, and that I've been to a fair few. Trev, I know you. I'm not going to ask you what game that you've uh, experienced the best, but you've been home and away. You've been to Baku. You've been to more football games than probably Motson himself. Um, what's the best away ground that you've ever been to? Oh my lord, Fergus! The best away ground I've ever been to. I like. Mm. I like. I like going to away games in Germany, Fergus, because the the. German fans, the atmosphere they create is unbelievable. Cologne, Frankfurt, brilliant places to go to watch football. The best one is DSG um, Dynamo, Dresden. That's my team. Yeah, I've never been to Dresden, mate. But the, the best ground for purely the ground, from my perspective, uh, was is is Real Madrid. Right? Is is Real Madrid? Um, I love going there. And uh, do you know what? We, I went to the Legends game there. We played, was it last summer or the summer before when the, the Legends game, we played them over there. Wonderful atmosphere. All the Madrid fans were so friendly. You know, there was no segregation because it was only meant to be a Legends game, but 80,000 people turn up to watch it. So I like Madrid. In the UK, the, the best ground to go to in the UK to watch football Oh, I don't know off the top of my head. I'll tell you where I went the other week, which is a lovely little ground. I went to AFC Fylde to watch a game, right? Best sports <laughs> bar I've ever seen, right? Best sports bar at any ground. Honestly, one of the sports screens there must have been 20 foot wide by 20 foot high. Bang on. Um, but I'll tell you what was the worst ground I ever went to, mate. The old Cardiff right. ground. Back in the days when I'd go, go away and watch that Kev Campbell play, right? Oh, my God. You <laughs> took your life in your hands going there, let me tell you. Let me tell you, you I got off the train one day, Cardiff, and this big Welsh bloke, I mean, I'm not a small lad, I'm a biggish lad, this big Welsh bloke said to me, 
Hey, you cockney boy. Shame about your face. I'm going to smash it, you know. And I went, oh, right, okay, mate. Are you sure he was Welsh or Indian? I'll tell you what, mate. I was, <laughs> I was that quick that day. I'd have gone past Omri and left him standing. I was off, mate. I weren't having none of that. No. So, <laughs> Welcome to Wales. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. a question for you um, is what's the best goal you've seen live uh, you can pick an Emirates or a Highbury one or uh, an international if you want but ideally Arsenal the best goal I've seen live was the best goal Arsenal have ever scored and that was Dennis Burkamp's goal against Newcastle by far the best goal I've ever seen won't be beaten for me it was better than the Leicester one that he scored um, it has to be that one, to be fair. Um, I think in terms, do you know what? In terms of, um, for a different reason though, for not the best I've scored in, seen in terms of skill, the best I've seen that I've gone most mental for was probably Thierry Henry's goal when he came back to us against Leeds in the FA Cup. Oh, the Leeds. Because yeah. it was just written in the stars, man. It was just, I was standing there with my dad watching the game and it was right up our end of the North Bank and I thought, it was just like rolling back the years, you know. Song, I remember, pinged that ball into him and it was one touch, curled it round into the bottom corner and I just went mental. And and it won us the game as well. And uh, for me, for a different reason, for sentimental reasons, it has to be that one. I'd I, I have to go for Henri again. Our Shavin uh, assist uh, to Henri at Sunderland when he came back as TH14. Uh, I was up there when we were doing the conga in the South Stand. It was just... It was nuts. I think that was one of my first proper away weekends, like what we just did in Burnley um, uh, a couple of weeks, a couple of, Jesus, six weeks ago now. Seems like ages. Um, Kev, the most intimidating stadium that you've played in? <laughs> uh, that's, Nothing uh, intimidates Kevin Campbell. <laughs> yeah, what's, what's all this intimidation nonsense? It, make, <laughs> it makes no sense. Um Okay. All, okay, let me, no, let me change. You, when let me you change. play for Arsenal, let me just tell you, when you play for Arsenal, everywhere gets hostile when Arsenal come to town. Never forget that. Everywhere gets hostile. No one's your friend because they know the big boys are coming to town. So trust me. But you're built, where, you're built to last at Arsenal. Where was your favourite ground to go to, to play at? Uh, favourite ground was always... I loved St James's Park. I loved, um, I loved Goodison Park. I loved Anfield, um, Old Trafford. I loved the big stadiums. Absolutely loved playing there because that they were the most meaningful games. And what? Another question, probably from being on the pitch. Um, when you're at Old Trafford with seventy five thousand or fifty two thousand at, at St James's Park. I remember as a kid, because it's a long time since I've been in a nightclub, you'd come out of a nightclub afterwards and your ears would be ringing. Are your ears ringing uh, when you're on the pitch? Um, and can you hear anything the manager says um, uh, when he's shouting instructions on the touchline? Uh, no, your ears ain't ringing. And, you know, I don't know if any of your missus ever said, you've got selective hearing. You've got to have selective hearing when you're a footballer. So you know that the manager's shouting. But you, you sometimes you hear him, and sometimes you don't because once you're concentrated on the game, you don't really hear much, and that, that's that's the honest to god truth. As soon as the referee blows the whistle and the game dies down, then you could start getting information and hearing what the crowd say. 
but normally you just you just concentrated. <coughs> um, oh, Amanda's saying hi to us, Kev. Yeah, hey, Amanda. No, uh, hi, Amanda. Um, I suppose the the, the next thing I'll, I'll probably ask uh, yourself, Kev. Um, you talked about managers. Um, who is the best manager you've played with? I know you've played with quite a number. You've been at Orient. You've been at Leicester, Forest, West Brom, Cardiff, Everton, and obviously Arsenal. Um, who's, who was the best manager you played under and why? George Graham, because he wasn't just a manager. He was a, he was a teacher of the game. And he educated a lot of that squad. If you notice, a lot of the squad played different positions for the team. And remember, Merson started out as a striker and ended up playing wide left. I started striker, played probably four different positions for the team um, under George Graham. And he he really educated me on what it takes. He, he groomed that back four, back five as well. He used to teach them what he knew and... Uh, you know, he was he was a definitely a platform guy, building blocks, and you know he brought a lot of homegrown players through, which is what we needed because we didn't have a lot of money. But he knew that there was a talent there. So you look at the amount of players that came through under him. People talk about the class of '92. Look what he brought through. But obviously, there was stuff that went on with George Graham that messed up his legacy in the end. Um, but he was a fantastic, fantastic manager. And if he'd have, if he'd have got back. You know, we could have gone on to dominate for a lot, a lot longer than than probably we could. We, do you think, did. Kev? Do you think, Kev, as well? Like, so what goes underrated with George Graham I always feel is the kind of players that he brought into the club at the time. So you look at what he did with Lee Dixon and Stevie Bold from Stoke and Nigel Winterburn from Wimbledon. You know, Jurgen Klopp at the moment's getting hailed for recruitment that he's done in the times of Andy Robertson from Hull and the Wijnaldums from Newcastle. George Graham was doing that years ago with those players and turned them into the best defense in Europe. Yeah, I mean, look, you look at the goalkeeper, the amount of money spent on the goalkeeper and, and mm. Van Dyke. You know that that George Graham didn't have the didn't have the uh, opportunity or, or money to do that. So what exactly. did he do? And it, let's let's just say Mikel Arteta goes out and tries to get a couple of players from lower league. What do you reckon the Arsenal fan base is going to do? Yeah. They're, they're going to go crazy because, oh, he hasn't got the name, he hasn't got this, but that's what George Graham done. George Graham knew the quality that they had. He knew with the coaching what he can do. And sometimes the coaching is everything. And that's what I'm hoping, fingers crossed, touch wood, everything, Mikel Arteta can do something because just by throwing money at it isn't enough. <coughs> it is not enough. They need a structure. And that's why I think sometimes, you know, is is this Arsenal squad at the moment is going to have to be ripped apart. And um, guys, moving around a little bit, Corey, uh, what's your your thoughts on Arteta's season so far? If this is the season, score out of ten that you'd give him, and and where do you think he needs to re- improve? Um, it's his first season. It's fair, you know, it's his first managerial job. So you've got to take that into consideration. Um, I have, there has been improvements, um, but I don't think anyone's been blown away um, by what he's done so far. He's just kind of just got us up to play into an acceptable level, really, without being outstanding. So let's say as, at this point, six out of ten. 
um, okay. where you can improve. Um, I think we've spoke about it a lot in, you know, in terms of making changes during the match, you know, like substitutions, playing players in the right position, um, picking players that are actually um, have made the difference and not just because he likes them. Um, actually, not so much. I, I know he's big on sort of discipline and stuff, but, you know, we've seen players um, not play because of what he says, you know, that they've been late to training and whatnot. But those players not playing has actually, we've missed them on the pitch. Yeah, um, I, I actually, I agree with that because we talked about George Graham. George Graham wouldn't have tolerated any of that. You would have been kicked the arsenal out the yeah, door. Yeah, yeah. All right. But look, there's ways that, there's ways you can sort of teach someone a lesson, you know. So, you know, if they're late, slap them with a fine, you know. But when the team suffers and, 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 and if, when the team suffers, the fans suffer, you know, because of how you chose to deal with this, this problem, then I don't think it's the, it was the best course of action. Because if we're dropping points because of it, then, you know, it was that the best thing to do. So give him a fine. Can make it a hefty fine if you, need, if you need to. But let's get our best 11 on the pitch. So that's, yeah. Scully, Scully uh, what, what are you making of um, Arteta's season so far? And just uh, give us a, a score maybe out of 10. Well... Well, it's been tainted, hasn't it, really? Let's face it, um, with everything that's gone on. and uh, The fan base hadn't really helped from the start, did they? Because everyone was a bit... I was one of them was a bit unsure about him, uh, with him not being a, in a managerial role beforehand. Um, but, you know, it, it started to come good, and it just unfortunately that all this happened in the end, and he's not really going to get a full season. So and then obviously with players as well, um, I think some of them have stepped up. Some of them still need to uh, disappear off, literally off the face of the planet. I think some of them, one of them especially, yeah, well, <laughs> we know that. Go, um, yeah. There's a few of them. One of, one of them is a defender. One of them's a, a, a creative midfielder. Um, creative. Score out of ten. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's, uh, that's his title. Score out of 10, I'm going to... I can only give him... I'm going to be the same as Corey. I can only really give him a six. You know, we're in ninth uh, as as the table stands right now. Uh, we could have got further up. We couldn't have done. But I, I think, I think in all fairness, anything past that for me, I think we're just giving him, you know, a bit too much. Uh, I think the six is... I think a six is fair with everything that's been going on. Potsy, uh, your, your brief verdict on the season, because I know we're going to get a longer version from Trev in a second. For me, man, I'm I'm only going to go one higher than the boys just for the pure fact that we're unbeaten in 2020. I'm going to give him a seven. I think what he's done in terms of installing confidence has been quite I- exceptional. My only downside with him where I want him to improve is touching on what Corey said really is to play your best team. There's been many times when Urza and Lacazette have just been left into that side when in my opinion they don't deserve it and it's been forcing players like Martinelli out of the side um, so for me there is more that to be done there but I think the mess that he took over I think he's got the maximum out of this side and he has managed to get involved with the likes of Mustafi and Chakas that have improved on their on their game so for me to get an improvement out of those two is pff, miracles so yeah I'll give him a seven Mustafi, you can't go any higher than ten <laughs> You what? Say that again. <clears throat> you can't go any higher than ten. So I know, Mr. Positive. Right. What, what, ten. What have you made of our ten. season? Ten. Ten. How can you? How can you give him six or seven? Are you boys Arsenal fans or what? Ten. He's unbeaten this season. He's, we've seen improvements from from every players. 
Some of them players are not very good and he's still got them playing football. Um, and I love his mannerisms and I love the way he conducts himself. It does remind me of George Graham a lot with the way he's cool and he's calm and he's well-groomed, you know. I mean, George Graham was a well-groomed man, you know. When he was a youngster, he pulled the girls, that boy. I'll tell you for nothing, right? But <laughs> everything, everything about Arteta, everything about Arteta so far is positive. He's worked with what he's got, right? And he's improved them all. Name me a player in the side that's playing worse under Arteta than he was under the previous manager. I don't think there is one, right? Do you not? Do you not see? Do you not see some? Do you not see some? Do you not see some similarities in Arsene Wenger as opposed to George Graham? Because I do. I see more similarities in Arsene Wenger in terms of the subs that he fails to make towards the kind of 70th minute. I see some of the similarities in the fact that he's forcing a Bami out wide like we saw in Aaron Ramsey being forced out right, uh, right a few years ago. I see some of the kind of persistent um, uh, kind of faith that he has in some of the players like he has with Lacazette and Ozil. I'd say he's more like Arsene Wenger than he is George Graham. How long has he been in charge, Dan? How long has he been I don't in know. charge? Since, uh, what, not six long. months has it been? Not long. Yeah, not long. You, you know, you can't compare him. You can't compare him to Wenger, really. His style, though, know? Trev. I'm and, not talking about his kind of longevity at the moment. I'm talking about his style of management. But you see, I, I look upon it. There was two Arsene Wengers, right? In my lifetime as an Arsenal fan, I saw two Arsenal Arsene Wengers. I saw the first... Eight, Ten. nine years, however long it was, right, of Arsene Wenger, who took the English game by storm and people didn't know what did them, right? Then I saw the second Arsene Wenger, and, and my view on that is that football caught up with Wenger and Wenger didn't have a plan B. And then, and then I, I don't know, I, I think that Wenger kept, he found some bargains. He found his, his Vieira, he found his Petit, right? He found his Terry Omri. He found Nicholas Anelka. And he thought he was going to continue to do that. And he kept, in the end, he was buying people. We touched on it earlier. That just, in my view, weren't good enough to play for the Arsenal. And he thought he was going to improve them and he didn't. You know, so, I, I Dan, I, I see what you're getting at, but I can't compare someone that's been at the club six months to someone that was there all those years in any way. I shouldn't really compare him to Graham, but I did. I'm happy, <laughs> sum it up, I'm happy with Arteta, right? I'm happy with Arteta. I like the man, right? He's a good-looking lad, you know, and he's very cool, calm and collected. And don't forget, he may not have been a manager before, but he's worked under the best, you know, he's 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 worked, you know, and, and since he left Man City, they've gone downhill. Well, I think Pep's missing him, you know what I mean? I think we've got yeah. a diamond, yeah. Backing. I like him. So I like him. I'm not. I'm yeah, not yeah. Don't no. don't get me wrong, Trev. I do like him. I reckon. Yeah. And this, I started off with he's. This is his first managerial job. He's. You're gonna. He's got to find his way. So I do like him. I think he was the right appointment, and I'm looking forward to for the to the club to grow with him as he learns and gets better. We will learn and get better. So I'm looking forward to it. But the question. We disagreed with him. Yeah, but <laughs> but, the question, but the question was like, how has he done so far? So we, I, we're just going to talk about how he's done so far, but I like him. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> and Terry, I'm going to I'm going like... to agree with Corey there. I'm going to be one I agree with him. I think he, yeah, I'm, I, you know, I think it's going to get better. But I'm just I'm the same. I'm rating it as how I see it now. I can't you can't rate it in five ten years time because one he might not be there. Two, you just don't know what's going to happen. So Trev speaks, not, Trev speaks not, from the heart, man. That's why we love him. Yeah, That's why we, we love Trev. Trev. But I'll get behind Arteta because he's, he's overexceeded what I expected. Uh, 
But there's also that, you know, he's still playing Ozil, he's still playing Mustafi, and everybody knows how I feel about them too. So it's there you go. And Xhaka. Mustafi has, Mustafi has improved, Shaka's improved. Ozil seems like he's giving something back to the team on the pitch. He's not my favourite player, as you know. Um, but moving on to the next question. Um, Kevin, myself and yourself share share a birthday, but Potsy. Uh, also shares a birthday with a former Arsenal player, Ian Wright. How good was he? Sorry, I didn't hear you. You kind of cut out there. Okay, no, that's that's fine. Um, we share a birthday, uh, but also Potsy shares a birthday with an, a former Arsenal legend as well. Uh, he shares a birthday with Ian Wright. How good was Ian Wright, Wright, Wright? Well, it's, it's, it's funny. When we used to play Crystal Palace and we used to give him a slap every every time, <laughs> after the game, Ian Wright used to wait. You know, we were there with our blazer and flannels and Ian Wright used to come out and he was just like, like in awe of us. And we just say, Wrighty, you're, you're messing about at Crystal Palace. You need to come across to Arsenal, you know. <laughs> he was like, well, he used to think to himself, how could they want me up there when they always give us a slap? But it went on, and him and Rocky were very close, as you know. Yep. And then in the 91-92 season, 92, he uh, he comes across to Arsenal, and then he, he he really understood what it was like to be to be an Arsenal guy. And he said, you know, sometimes I go into games and I'm only getting one or two chances. He said, for Arsenal, I'm getting four or five or six chances. <laughs> so with his prowess, he's going to get a load of goals. So... He was he was a he was just a, a goal scoring machine. We sometimes use that phrase, um, you know, willy nilly, but right he is and was a goal machine and he loved to score goals. He celebrated goals in training like it was a game. And you know, he was infectious. He's such a great character. And he enhanced the dressing room. Yeah, but as well. he had, he had a very strong character. Um, and you could see on occasions that uh, he would be abrasive with George Graham and with the manager and so on. Um, how did he get on with his teammates and how did you get on with him? No, he, he, he could be abrasive. Listen, when you're when you're scoring <laughs> goals, you could be abrasive with George Graham because George Graham needs you. The moment he stops scoring goals, then George Graham will... Don't, don't worry, George Graham knew how to put right in check. Believe you me, he knew how to put him in check. George Graham was the man. He was the man. But right, he got on with everybody. He was good with everyone. He was a great teammate. He was, um, his attitude was always good. He loved to train. He loved to work hard. He loved to win. He was a winner. So coming into that environment was perfect. So, you know, it kind of, he he was a, a proper Arsenal guy. And uh, coming in and obviously being with Rocky as well. We had another South London lad who was in, and in and around that squad. So it was just business move, business as usual for us. Really was. See, I think with it, with Wrighty, the reason I like, uh, listen, he's my hero, he's my favourite player, he's the reason I support Arsenal Football Club, share a birthday with him, absolute legend of a guy. But I think sometimes people then kind of overlook Wrighty just for the pure fact that the worst things that could have happened to him from a selfish point of view for him was Dennis Burkamp and Thierry Henry to join Arsenal and then become two of the best players that anyone the Premier League's ever seen. So then now everybody, when we do like the 1-2-11s, Ferguson, we start talking about Arsenal players 
People leave Ian Wright out. I just cannot leave the guy out of my team. He is my favourite Arsenal player and always will be. I don't care who comes in and beats records. Wright is my hero and always will be. And I think people do sometimes forget how good the guy was. He was just an, a machine in front of goal. Great character. Hilarious, hilarious bloke and genuine nice guy. So for me, Ian Wright, I can't speak highly enough about the guy. Since you're, we spoke. I'm sorry, Fergus. We we spoke earlier about the crowds, right? And and you all know I've watched a lot of football in my uh, 39 years, right? And I don't think, I don't think I've ever seen a player that could lift a crowd like Wrighty. When Wrighty yes. celebrated a goal, the whole stadium celebrated the goal, right? And and oh, uh, you know what a wonderful man! I can't remember. I can't remember what testimonial it was now at Ivory, right? But Wrighty, I, I can't remember whose testimonial it was, but Wrighty threw all the shirts out of the dressing room window before the game. I was fighting in the street outside trying to grab one. Never did get one. I, I can't remember what, what testimonial it was, but of all the players I've watched and of all the Arsenal players, I, I've never found an Arsenal player that I've hated, right? You know what I'm like, Are you sure that I'm was a testimonial? Was it? I, I, I thought it was Kev. I can't remember the game, uh, mate. Was you, you there when he threw them shirts out the window? I, I'll tell you what game that was. That was Paris Saint Germain in the semi final after that game. Was it? Was it really, mate? I, yeah, I couldn't remember what game, game it was. Yeah, uh, yeah it was, was a night game. Yeah, I remember that. He was, he <laughs> <mad>. <laughs> yeah, love it. Yeah, I was Love fighting it. outside in the street uh, trying yeah, to get oh, it there all. There was a load of your. Fighting outside for the, for the yeah, stuff, it was, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> brilliant. It was, but, but we, that's, we, that's what I love him, you know. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we've asked the guys before about Highbury versus the Emirates and everything else, and you know, I, I think Highbury's the old lady, old lady, and it, it's a fantastic stadium. It's it 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 was beautiful uh, in its Art Deco design and everything else, um, but. You you never got a chance to play at the Emirates, did you, Kev? No. Okay. Never got a chance to play there. I've been to I've obviously been to watch games. I've been to watch my son there against Arsenal and and stuff like that. But look, it's Arsenal got Arsenal fans got sold a dream. And Arsenal were fans were lied to. Let's let's call it straight. We got here, light. here, mate. Preach it, you preach know, it. Let's call it. I'm gonna say preach. We were told we're moving to compete at the highest table in Europe, and we just haven't. Then they come out with, "Oh, it's about metrics." Soon as you start airing all the the, the cock and bull, forget it. They've sold us down the river. They told us it's gonna be because we need to compete, but it's not the case. Let's just call it like it is. We're still going mm. to support the club. We still love the club, but they, 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 you know, they, they, they fed us a line. Thing is, Kev, we were already you know competing with the best in Europe. We were already up there, weren't we? We got into a Champions League final, and then we moved yes. across to compete with the Bayern Munichs and Barcelonas of the world. We already were. Well, you, Do you remember I pulled you up on that before, Dan? Do you remember well, Dan? You I pulled you up on this before. Yeah, yeah. When it's you so think true. About it, you're going across. You're moving across to actually win the damn thing. You're not moving across to compete. You're moving across to win it. Because exactly. On that on that decision alone, that cost Arsenal the, the Champions League win, I thought. Hmm. Yeah, um, good shout, good other, shout. 
some other truths are coming out um, and off those last probably 10 years or so, uh, myself and, and, and Potsy were talking earlier today. Um, a lot of you will have seen the Seth Fabregas uh, interview that was on Sky and uh, I think he was on Ars Blog and everything else. Dan, I'll leave this one to you. God, I read this and this really upset me. I'm not going to lie. This really upset me because for me, I, I was a huge Cesc Fabregas fan, right? Huge Cesc Fabregas fan. And the reason I loved Cesc was not just because of how good he was, but because of his attitude. And he learned off of the best. And he was in at Highbury with the likes of Patrick Vieira. And he was around with the Henri and Burkamps and the Pirezes and the mentality that they had. And he then took over the captaincy. And the reason that he's come out in this interview and explained that he left Arsenal was because he had a lot of pressure on uh, his shoulders when he was the captain. Because what he's now doing is he's seen himself as a Patrick Vieira and a Tony Adams. And what he's not getting is the same mentality around him in teammates. And they're all going to the bar and having a drink when they've lost 3-0 and Fabregas is home crying. He said that Robin Van Persie and Sami Nasri were the only two that can compete with him mentally and technically. He said that the recruitment was a shambles above. Xabi Alonso was supposed to be coming to Arsenal begging to be playing for Arsenal. Went to the Summer World Cup with Cesc Fabregas and was basically telling him what's happening. Let me update me. Let me know what's going. I'm at Liverpool and I don't want to be. I want to be at Arsenal. And the, uh, apparently the answer was, no, we have uh, Denilson and Diaby or whoever it was at the time, right? Mm. So I look at that and I think we could have had an unbelievable defensive midfielder that we've not had since Patrick Vieira, but no, we didn't, weren't allowed him. He then goes to Real Madrid and wins Champions Leagues and titles. Then you look at what Cesc Fabregas has done since he's gone. Fans are slating him. They're like, oh, I don't like Fabregas. He never come back to Arsenal. He wanted to come back to Arsenal and he's admitted he wanted to come back. Then you look at the likes of Sami Nasri and uh, uh, what's his name and Van Persie and Sanchez that have all left. And people boo him when they come back to the ground. People boo Oxlade Chamberlain when he comes back and he's now at Liverpool. Why? Why are we booing these players who have now who have left to go and be ambitious in terms of their football? You, they, these aren't loyal. These aren't loyal Londoners. There. These aren't think, players like the Kevin Campbell's and Ryan Tony Adams. Sorry, Dan, I'm going to interject there, here, mate. You know. There's a difference in how how the left as well. You see, with Fa with Fabregas, uh, after reading, I read his interview. I didn't see it, but after reading that interview, I can see why he left because it's like Kevin was saying he was probably sold a dream. You know, you're captain of Arsenal. You're at the Emirates. You're gonna you're gonna be able to compete. You're gonna be able to do that. And then he's seeing the likes of Denilson, Diaby, uh, Seagan, and people like that coming to the club, and you know, it, it, and them, them type of players. And you're thinking, well, these aren't really. You know, they're not on par with what he is technically. We know he's a gifted player. And so obviously when Barcelona started coming knocking, he saw a he saw a chance to go. And I can't you can't knock him for that. You know, it's, you it's, it's his so home club and everything. But it's the way I think with Sammy and Azri and Robin Van Fers, it's the way the left and how the left. And even today, they still speak so lowly of the club and the fans and everything else. And I think that's the difference between why we boo and we dislike uh, Nazari and Van Persie. With with Ox, I, I don't understand why people boo him. At the end of the day, he was sold on. He didn't he ain't have a bad word to say about Arsenal, not, not that I've seen anyway. So and and it, so I don't understand why they're booing him. With Ashley Cole, obviously there were stories about him. I think someone's just mentioned it there, which I'm just going to pop up. Uh, pop up. Uh, Ashley Cole, you know, the, the, Ashley Cole was... Told he was only going to get so much amount of money in a contract. He didn't like it because other people were on a lot more than him. 
he left where he left where somewhere else. Obviously, that's why he called him Cashley Cole now. So it's it that's the difference. You see, it's the, it's how people leave and how they talk about the club now and uh, they talk about the fans and stuff. You know, it wasn't that long ago that Robin Van Persie was slating the club and slating the fans. But do you not think, though, Scunny, that it, it, and I'd love to get Kev's opinion on this as well because for me, we just talked about there being two Arsen Wengers. Why was the attitude and the culture so different in the last 10 years of Arsene Wenger's reign? Because the first 10 years, you're telling me that he couldn't control, sorry, he could control Tony Adams and Patrick Vieira, but he couldn't control Song, Senderos and Arshavin. What is going on there? Like for me, Fabregas is looking at that thinking the only people with the right mental strength in this side are the two best players along with myself because they feel it and they hurt it. And when they're looking at Al Munia and they're looking at Skilachi, going for dinner with each other and uh, well, if they just lost 3-0 to, to Man City. What is that What is that all about? Is that me or, or am I being silly there? Dan, Dan, what you got to do is you just look at the first part of what you're talking about and who was around and look at the second part who you're talking about. And the reason why that change was because of one man and that's David Dean. Thank you. David Dean was taken out the equation when he was there, he wanted the best for Arsenal. Only the best mattered. So he, Arsene Wenger had a, a, a superb person in the boardroom who would help him recruit the best players. What a best for Arsenal. May not be the biggest name, but the, the best players for Arsenal. You take him out the equation, then you you, you're starting to sign inferior players. Why? Because they haven't got Arsenal's best interests at heart. And that's the name of the game. If you haven't got somebody on the inside or in the boardroom who and want Arsenal to improve, you got no chance. And unfortunately, Arsene Wenger started to take over that mantle himself with the recruitment team. And there was a, that many bad signings. It was it was mm. crazy. You know, David so Dean was a massive loss. Massive loss. Kev, is it? Is that not modern day footballers with the amount of money that's involved? Like, it, it, what what players got paid back in the day when you and Wrighty and that played for for the club was good money, I'm sure, but it's nothing, nothing near like the multi millionaires that they become now, and they don't. Re you like Wrighty? I what's the Rocky and Wrighty thing on BT Sport, which is a if it's on YouTube. If you get a chance to watch something over this while you're locked in, watch it. It's amazing hearing the stories about mm. coming from South London. Uh, and Wrighty on the wrong side of the low for a little while. And then Rocky was going all the way up to the Arsenal and training, getting the uh, the, the bus up in the morning. Uh, and then just to make it at that level, it was such an achievement. Is it because it's more maybe the foreign players? You know, I don't know. Is it just the money's too big that the players don't give a shit? No, no, I don't think the money's too big. Look, it, you, the footballers get paid relevant to to what they do and mm. it's, it goes up every year just like a lot of show business or you you're, you're at the top of the Hollywood game you're making a film you get the big bucks that's the name of the game but I think the 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 bloodline at Arsenal has failed for a long time that's the homegrown feeling getting British players in because Brit British players, no disrespect to some of the foreigners, British players know what it takes, know what it is. They know it's, you've got to get stuck in. 
because I'll tell you this much, when Arteta took over and he said, you know, there's certain things that, you know, I, I will not stand for. We've got to get stuck in. And the first game, I think it was, was it the Chelsea game? Play Chelsea. And for that first yes. half, everybody was putting tackles in. Every, everybody felt, wow, uh, this is Arsenal again. That's why we run out of gas at the end. Yeah, we run out of gas, but there was that tenacity there. Yeah. That is how we want to play. And British players feel it. I'm not saying all foreigners don't get it because the Vieiras and Petiz of this world got it, but they had the Adamses and Dixons and Winterburns and Bolds with them, with Seaman behind them, to propel them forward. But if you haven't got that core, look, Arsenal hasn't won a league since for having an English centre-half. So they true. Haven't. So true. So Kim, and, and, you, yeah. and you need a, you need a core, and if your core isn't British and you're playing in England, we tended to come unstuck against big clubs as well. Going to Anfield and getting turned over like four 0 at half time, and going to Chelsea and the game's over at half time. That never happened back in the day. But when your core isn't as strong mentally as the fan base. That's what happens. Preaching, man. So is true. It, so true. Is it a Premier League thing? Like uh, your son plays for Stoke, which is in in um, the Championship. Is it different yeah. down down in in the Championship? Are, are, is the ethos around the clubs different? Uh, no, not necessarily. Because you could see with Sheffield United. <laughs> Look at Sheffield United. Yeah, yeah. the ethos yeah, is good. no different. And if, listen, if you have a team. Who are, who are happy and willing to compete on every level. You might not win every game, but you compete. That gives you a chance. And Sheffield United are putting up everyone else to shame. There they are. Chris Wilder's done a fantastic job. But, you know, we're looking at, we're Arsenal and they're Sheffield United and they're, they're doing much better than us in the league. This is dis- disgusting for me. Same, mate. Oh, I agree. Yeah, we've got a questions that have come through in the chat while we've been on uh, today that I'd, li- I'd like to ask you. Um, you can answer them as much as you want or not. Um, uh, Heath Keogh asked, before 85, what was your best achievement and where? Uh, obviously footballing. What, before 85, you signed for Arsenal at 85. Where, where, where did you achieve the most? And, and no, I signed for Arsenal as a schoolboy in 82. 82? Okay. As a so Heath, boy, you're wrong. Like Twelve. That's the only time you could you couldn't sign for a club before twelve. So I signed up for Arsenal at twelve, and then I signed again in '86 as a YTS. Okay. Okay. So YTS okay. was me full time then. Yeah, YTS um, Richard, was me full time. Richard Butler, who's uh, come up with some really good stats, and he's been on our podcast a few times as well, and he helped us with some of the agenda I- uh, items that we we covered. <laughs> um, <laughs> Sorry, I had to throw his, uh, his poor facts about his question, but uh, yeah, he still wants to marry you. It's legal now, you know that. Well, it, it is. Legal. Oi, you can. oi, do you want me off of here, or do you still want me on? <laughs> <laughs> moving, moving swiftly on. That, Fergus. No, 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 no. Moving swiftly on. Ninety-three, ninety-four. <laughs> yourself and Wrighty scored fifty goals. Was that your best ever season anywhere? No. Well, season I with Pierre Van Oydonk at Nottingham Forest. We were the high-scoring partnership in Europe. I think we scored sixty-something goals. Between wow. us. And um, 
we complemented each other so well and we were looking at um, bringing it to the Premier League because we went down at Forest, went down, got put together there and we started to fly and we, we, we were unstoppable. And then we we're going to bring it to the Premier League and then Nottingham Forest sold me to Turkey and that's when Pierre Van Oda went on strike. So What a player though he was. What a player he was. How was Turkey back then? Because it's, yeah, it's already an intimidating place now. Well, I, 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 I went out there, obviously, a Brixton kid, I'm thinking, listen, I could go anywhere. So I went out there. I really enjoyed my time in Turkey. Really did. I went out there thinking, you know, it's it's probably going to be third world football, but I swear to you, their their facilities and everything were better than we had in England. Much wow. better, much better. And, and I learned a lot about football going over there. And the the atmospheres in the stadiums, like Fenerbahce and Galatasaray and places like that, are just incredible. Absolutely incredible. I mean, you. Galatasaray at the time, there was Tafarel in goal, Hadji, Popescu, Hakan Shakur, Dimitrescu, Okan, um, Emre, um, Bullent. They had, had, had a top, uh, Dimitrescu play. They had a top, top team. Ended up beating them at the Alessamien 5 3. And wow. um, at their place, I got a hat trick. So it was amazing, amazing scenes. Trabs on. Trabs on Spore had one end all to themselves. It was amazing scenes. Absolutely amazing. And obviously, obviously, your favorite club that you ever played for was Arsenal. Going without it. Yeah. Going, I'm, I'm not putting I'm not putting answers in, in, in your mouth. But if you, if you look at any of the other clubs, like you're you're a hero at Forest, you're a hero at uh, um at Everton and, and and loads of other places. Where did you enjoy the most away from Arsenal? Well, I, I really enjoyed Everton. Um, because I made my date. It's weird, me and Everton are inextricably linked because I made my debut against Everton um, in 88, which was the lo- last time that, you know, Neville Southall, Gary Stephen, Trevor Stephen, Sheedy, Reed, Bracewell, Graham Sharp, etc. That team, that was the last time they were ever together, the last game they ever played together because they, Gary Stephen, Trevor Stephen went to Rangers and that team got broken up. So I made my debut against them. And we always, our paths always seem to cross when George Graham took over and we're trying to get across the line. I think we played Everton a couple of times in the semi-final and stuff like that. And we we overcome them. And, um, you know, we always seem to be inextricably linked. And then when the opportunity came for me to go to Everton, you know, I didn't think twice because Everton are a huge, huge club. So... Mm. Um, you know, mm. I, I enjoyed my time at Forest. I really enjoyed my time around at West Bromwich Albion as well. You know, I had a great time at Leicester on loan, Leighton Orient on loan, like like Cardiff. But Everton was, uh, you know, you just a, like a second. You just like football, as I could get, to be honest. Kev, in terms of Everton, just quickly, I just wanted to ask quickly because one player that burst onto the scene when you was there under Moisey was Wayne Rooney. What what was it like when he'd come? Because you might well come through. Because did you just think, wow, this kid's going to be special? Or no, well, Dan, you, 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 I was I think I was captain at the time, and you hear that this young kid's coming. At the time, he was probably 13, 14 years old, and you you know you hear the rumor, but. You don't know how good he is, and 
I, 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 I was coming back from a, a sprained ankle. So I went to play a reserve game at, uh, I think it was Southport away. And I got on the coach and there was some, it was a young, it was a young reserve team. So it was just for the exercise really. And Rooney was there and I didn't, I didn't know. I've never seen him before. I, I thought he was one of the coaches, um, nephews or kids or whatever. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't even know who he was anyway, got to the ground and I saw him getting changed and I thought, oh, he's just coming out for the warm up. And Taffy, the reserve manager, said, Kev, that's that Rooney. So I said, oh, really? I said, how old is he? He said, he's 14. So I was like, Taff, he, what is he on the bench? He said, no, he's playing with you up front. And I just looked at him, I was like, he's 14. Well, let me tell you something. He was incredible. 14, he was incredible. It was, it was a grown men's game, you know. Here he asked defenders, non-league Southport, putting the tackles in, put trying to be physical, more than held his own. Scored two Kevin, goals would you in say, the first half. Would you say he's the best player you played with? He's, he's the best 14-year-old I've seen. <laughs> who, would you, who would you say the best player you have played with was? Um, well, I could I could roll that out. I wouldn't say Rooney was the top of his game back then when he... Remember, he left, yeah. uh, he left Everton at 17. He yeah. was a top player, but he wasn't like the peak of his powers then. Um, you, you look at Tony Adams, you look at Ian Wright, even Paul Gascoigne, when, you know, being on the same pitch as him. You know, he played for the enemy, but he was he was something else. Um, even Anders Limpar on his day could be could be unplayable. So, you know, it's very difficult to say there's just one player who... Who who, could, who who was the best? You talk about Gascoigne. Who who was the the best player you played against? Uh, best player I've ever played against. Um, uh, I've I've got to say, what probably Paul Gascoigne at his pump was was unbelievable. But we played against. I don't know if you remember. We played against AC Milan in the Super Cup. I knew you were going to say this. <laughs> and um, Franco Baresi. Well, it wasn't just one player. It was it was that squad, that team. Would, Marcel Dazay played in centre midfield back then. And, you know, you had Costa Curta, you had Maldini. Maldini, Baresi, yeah, yeah. You, you know, all these guys. You had um, Donadoni in there. You had Boban, Savicevic. You know, you had all these top, top... You know, uh, Italia football was probably the the, the, uh, the height of it. And that uh, AC Milan team had won back-to-back European Cups. They were unbelievable. They won the European Cup that year, 4-0 or whatever. They were they were awesome. We drew them at Highbury, 0-0, and they beat us 2-0 at the San Siro. But what, what a team, what players. You know, that's Savizovic. My God, he was unbelievable. <laughs> I'm not saying he was the best, but my God... The lads just couldn't get near him. He was unbelievable. Um, boys, I, I've um, I've exhausted all my questions that I had for for Kev. <laughs> uh, well, the only one I had left on my list was Copenhagen '94. What was that like? But I, I'm conscious of your time as well. But I'm also conscious of the other guys are sitting there just looking at the screen and in awe of listening to you. Have Have you guys got any questions that you'd like to ask of Kevin or even me? If you want to ask me a question, 
<laughs> go on, Corey. You can go first uh, if you have no, anything. No, 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 no. I think like the ones, the, the things I would have asked him, you, you've already covered it. So, um, like I said, I've been, I've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed this sort of um, hearing his stories. So, yeah, I'm, I'm good. I've got, I've got a question for you guys. What was your, okay. what was your favourite game at the, at the, at Highbury? My favourite game at Highbury, unfortunately, most of my games that I saw at Highbury were Bolton um, and West <laughs> Brom because I wasn't a season ticket holder then. Um, uh, my favourite game, probably that Leeds. No, that was that was at the Emirates, actually, wasn't it? Um, I, I don't really have a favourite game. I just remember coming down, looking at North Bank, coming onto the North Bank and looking at the green bays of a pitch and just being in awe. So that that's what is my most vivid thing, is just seeing that velvet, of a pitch that memory yeah i think for me, yeah, my, i'm gonna say yeah uh, sorry go on dan i'll let you oh you're on it <laughs> i think my, my favorite one uh, at highbury has to be against leicester when we went unbeaten that has to be the one for me because it was history and i'm never going to see it again in my opinion so i'd have to say that um uh without a doubt i think that the actual day itself was sensational the fact we went one nil down as well and pulled dick off had scored out of everyone i was like oh here we go and then you know got the penalty from Henri, and then a fantastic pass from burkamp through to Vieira, and then we're lifting the trophy and we've and it's a gold one and i don't think anyone will ever lift a gold one ever again so that for me 100 percent Nice. Yeah, mine, yeah, mine was the uh, first ever game I went to at Highbury. Fergus knows this. Um, I was in the North Bank and Thierry Henry backheeled it into the goal against Charlton, and we was right near the goal, so it was like a mosh. That was that was everything. Now everyone was jumping <laughs> all over each. Other. I think it was the forty-seven out of the forty-eight games we did undefeated, forty-six or forty-seven. I can't remember exactly which one, but that was the first ever time I've ever been, and I think I think that was probably my last time I've ever been. <laughs> <laughs> Ivory, Corey. You know, I'm with you, Fergus. Um, I, I used to get um, this guy's season ticket when he couldn't go, and he would only ever give me the ticket when it was like, again, like Boltons and teams like that. So none of them really stood. I've been a few times, but none really stood out in my mind as like my favorite. Um, I just really enjoyed going to that stadium. The you know they called it the library, but that's not that wasn't my experience. Um, the experience. Yeah, it was experience. It's just like, again, like what Ferguson, when you first go out there and you got to look onto the green and we're all sort of like, it's quite a small stadium. So we're sort of all sort of on top of each other. And it was just, it was, it was amazing. It's not something I've really experienced since, you know, not at the Emirates or anything. So just the experience of going um, full stop. Trev, you okay. must have a great you, one, Trev. Like. Trev. <laughs> He's reeling them up on the old Thylofax, isn't he? These ones. Do you know what, boys? <laughs> I, I, I'm sitting here smiling to myself because as I've got older, all the games they sort of blur a bit, you know, because there's that many. But what I, I must say that for for a celebration perspective and and for pure pleasure, for pure, you know, that 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 feeling you get as a fan when you're just going to explode, you know. When Adam scored in, in in '98, you know, when Bold put the ball through for him, that was just, just I just want to get up and jump up in the air now. You know what I mean? I'm still <laughs> celebrating it. Well, get I'm up, Trev. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> Go on, Trev. And and uh, and and then of course the the the. 
best goal I, I saw score was when Henry went the length of the pitch against Tottenham, right? When he picked it up on the edge of his penalty area. And uh, if he had if he had about another five seconds left to score, because I'd hold my breath for that long, I was nearly passing out. You know what I mean? Yes! <laughs> you know? Brilliant. So, yeah, there's that many. But but for me, that, that Mr. Arsenal, Tony Adams, I respect every player that's ever played for Arsenal. But when he slotted that in with his left foot, that day, that's nothing has ever topped that feeling for me. Nothing has ever topped that feeling for me. Kev, what's the what's the best thing you, you, you've experienced at Highbury, up on or off the pitch? Well, I've got to say, my favourite game, and it might not time with everybody else's, but do you know when we in ninety one ninety two season where we won the title ninety one, and uh, we are playing Manchester United, we just found out. Nottingham Forest had beaten Liverpool and we were playing Man United that night at, at, at Highbury and we were travelling down to Highbury from the South Arts Golf Club and the streets were alive. That experience, that feeling, coming to the ground, everybody was, there was no pressure. We'd won the, we'd won the league and we, we went out with wigs on and all that kind of thing and, <laughs> you know, we are playing Manchester United, full house, we ended with Smudger scored a hat trick. We beat them 3-1 at the time. And it was it was sensational. It really was. And that for me, that was the first medal, first team medal I'd won, obviously, at, at Arsenal. And that to me was because Man United, we were playing Man United as well. It was a meaningful game. It weren't just a Mickey Mouse game. It was a meaningful yep. game. And we and we 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 played well and we played, we dealt with them, to be honest. We really played played well. So that that was a really meaningful day for me, and obviously I, I've got to say Paris Saint Germain in the semi final, because getting across that that one and getting to our first European final with this squad with George Graham's squad was really important as well. And obviously I weren't even meant to be playing; I was supposed to be on the bench, but Merce, Merce got ill, and or he, he tweaked something, and I ended up playing. I ended up scoring the winner. So. That was a uh, that was another good day. Did I wonder you, what did you feature in that. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm going to be a clue. <laughs> wonder what he tweaked. <laughs> did, no idea. Uh, no. <laughs> 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 but, but like, very last 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 one then. Um, Copenhagen '94. What was that experience like? Again, it was a uh, uh, amazing, isn't it? You know, when you listen, it's when you're at Arsenal and you're winning. Winning cures everything, and when, once the once the Gooners are, are happy, you've done well. Because as Arsenal fans, you know the team never do things easy. We always do things the hard way. We always do, <laughs> and we've always done it the hard way. Even when you're going for the title and you haven't lost the game or you've lost one game, it's still hard because you still think you're going to get caught and stuff like that. But you know, in in '94. It was uh, just amazing times, isn't it? To 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 go in to a, a European game of thinking people think you know you, this Palmer team's got is is special, and look at the look at the players they had. You know who we were up against, and we had a makeshift midfield. I think Paul Davis in the end, Selly started myself and Merce and Alan Smith. Alan Smith was up top, kind of on his own, isolated. For majority of the game, um, you know, we had injuries left, right, and centre. 
they've seen when he had two injections in his rib. I had two injections in my toe, um, etc. Just to just to see us through the game because I think Paul Paul Dickoff was on loan. He just come back to the game to the to the club and found himself on the bench. You know, <laughs> in the uh, in the cup winners cup uh, finals uh, squad. So you know he's got a he's got a winner's medal, which is great. But that's that's how depleted we were, right? He couldn't play because obviously he was suspended. Um, facts are John Jensen, Barney, he couldn't play, he was injured. And, you know, we had a load of injuries. But again, that never say die attitude, especially with that back five, you've always got a chance. Always. Brilliant, guys. Listen, thank you. <coughs> thank you very much. Ray Franklin has just said, uh, what a night, Copenhagen. Uh, Heath, the guy who wants to marry you, um, uh, Kev, has said, can you can you shout out to your future stepson, his boy Jack? <laughs> Hi, Jack. How are you, mate? You okay? Tell your dad to Thank turn you, it Kev. in. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, um, you have been uh, listening to an Arsenal podcast or watching an Arsenal podcast. It's Guns and Yellow Ribbons. We're on Twitter at Guns and Ribbons. Uh, we're on Facebook at Guns and Yellow Ribbons, Instagram and all the others. It's an Arsenal podcast by Arsenal fans for Arsenal fans. Um, Scunny, thanks for operating all the stuff in the background. Really appreciate that. Trev, right. um, I know you've enjoyed this because uh, you talked to me before about if we ever did manage to get Kev on, that you would uh, love it. Uh, Corey, um, thank you. Potsy, thanks for the intro to Kev. And Super Kevin Campbell, up the Arsenal. Thank you very, very much. Big up, Kev. Cheers, guys. See ya. Cheers, Corey. Cheers, Kev. Cheers, 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 Cheers mate. Nice to meet you, everyone. Cheers, boys. Brilliant. Brilliant. Thanks for listening to Guns and Yellow Ribbons, an Arsenal podcast by Arsenal fans for Arsenal fans. Follow us on Facebook at Guns and Yellow Ribbons or Twitter at Guns and Ribbons. And remember to rate and review us too.